Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For the latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. The Law Enforcement Today Show is brought to you in part by Transformations Treatment Center. Many are using the term epidemic to describe the current problem of drug and or alcohol abuse in the United States. Virtually everyone we know has been negatively impacted by this problem. Yet for so many that are experiencing the devastating effects of drug and or alcohol abuse, they don't know who to turn to for help. Who can we trust to care for our loved ones? Transformations Treatment Center is one of the most respected, ethical, and professional drug and alcohol treatment centers in the world with a strong focus on individualized care, offering a wide range of holistic, specialized, and medically supervised treatment programs. We know that many of you have questions. Take the time to call Transformations Treatment Center for the answers. 888-991-9725. That's 888-991-9725. Or go online to transformationstreatment.center. Calling us from Brooklyn, New York, we have Pat Russo on the phone. Pat is a retired NYPD. That's New York Police Department sergeant. Uh, He is also... He's a busy, busy guy. First of all, Pat, thanks so much for taking a moment out of your busy day to spend time with us on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Very much appreciate it. I appreciate you having me. Before we go into our conversation, you know, there's a big thing right now trending throughout the United States that's defund the police. We're going to talk about some of the programs that get damaged and hurt that are life-saving for a lot of people that Pat is an expert in. Before we do that, you retired from a full career in the NYPD, and now what do you do? I own a business in Brooklyn, New York. It's a wholesale food distributor. It's called Chef's Choice, cash and carry food distributor. And believe it or not, I uh, catering towards the West Indian community. Isn't in that Brooklyn. funny? I mean... I say funny, not ha-ha funny, but ironic, because Russo is an Italian name, correct? Correct. Correct. People would automatically assume, thanks to Hollywood, they have this thing about these stereotypes with Italians that they love to portray, and they really have these stereotypes of Italian and Irish police, and I'm of Irish descent, a year of Italian descent, we're both police, that they love to portray, and no one would have ever pegged you as being in a business that's basically food distributor catering to the Caribbean American community. That's correct. You know what it is? I had a real smart father. My my father bought a building in uh, the middle of Flatbush, and he saw an opportunity here with the West Indian community, which is a wonderful community, and he said they're good, hard-working people, and nobody's really taking care of them. Nobody's giving them what they need. And my father was a butcher truck by trade, and he just opened it up, um, selling oxtail, mostly meats in the beginning, oxtail and goat and cow foot, and it just took off. Just took off that we currently own almost a whole block in the middle of Brooklyn and 50 employees and 600 customers a day. It just it, we, My father was a, a smart businessman, as 
as I am not a great small business. Well, I think you're doing pretty good for yourself. This this would be a great television series. Uh, <laughs> drama mixed with humor. Uh, Italian-American retired police from New York is the man when it comes to Caribbean American foods. That's that's priceless. That's one of your business. In oxtail parmesan. That's, that's awesome. And I'll be honest with you. This is one of the things. You know, I grew up. I was born in Jersey. My dad was a career Navy man. We lived everywhere. Uh, and when I go back to visit family in New York and North Jersey and Long Island, you had big ethnic neighborhoods. I love that. I miss that part of America. And, I'm, and I fear that a lot of that is gone. Well, not not in Brooklyn. In Brooklyn, you you drive ten miles in any direction, and you go through. It's like the United Nations. Every every neighborhood has an ethnic flavor to it. And they're great people. That's the thing. It's just wonderful, great wonderful people, people with and, phenomenal and you know something about the the West Indian community. They're so they love law enforcement. They really do. They're, they're so pro-police because they know. They, they, they realize that we need the police and to defund the police, uh, as you stated in the beginning of the conversation, is, is just insanity. It is. And a lot of these people, when you talk about the, um, the Caribbean-American folks, a lot of them right. immigrated to the United States, and they came from countries where the police really don't have a good reputation. People would love to make that out like American police are horrible. Man, we are princes of the police world. When it comes to other countries, there's no comparison. No, it's what, why, why does everybody come to America for a better life for their families? So you retired from police work, and during your career in policing, you got heavily involved in boxing, and that's kind of another passion of yours, isn't it? Correct. Growing up in Brooklyn, believe it or not, I didn't have a boxing gym in my neighborhood. It was something I always wanted to do. And when I was in the police academy, I seen a sign on the wall in the police academy to join the NYPD boxing team. And they met every Saturday over in Brooklyn in a gym in Starrett City, a famous gym in Starrett City. And I just showed up there one Saturday, and you know what, I fell in love with the sport. I was there a couple of Saturdays in a row. I finally got to spar, and the coach asked, do you want to fight against the fire department in Madison Square Garden? <laughs> and I said, do you think I could do that? I only sparred once. because you could do it. <laughs> and I, my first amateur boxing match was in Madison Square Garden against a fireman. Go figure. What are the odds yeah. of that? That's a great story. <laughs> Right. Could you imagine, just because I was an NYPD cop, I got to fight my first fight in the mecca of boxing, Madison Square Garden. And there are pro boxers that go their entire career that never make it there. Right. That's a shame. It's... And I hate to ask, how did you do in your first fight? <laughs> I, won. I won. Get out. I did win, yeah. And it was a sold-out stadium. Joe Frazier was in the front row, which is a wonderful event. Oh, my God. And, 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 and at the time, the, all the money went to the widows and orphans of uh, fallen police officers and firefighters. That's such a great story. I, I, I also know, happen to know, that you're heavily involved in taking at-risk children, kids from the streets, and, and exposing them to boxing and saving a lot of lives. Uh, and you're doing that now. Tell us about the boxing gym that you operate now. Well, well how I started the program was 
police work. Upon my graduation from the academy, I was assigned to the 7-2 precinct in Sunset Park, Brooklyn. And within a couple of months, it was deemed the pilot precinct for community policing. And it was at the time called CPOP, Community Police Officers Program. And I was taken off patrol with really no time on the job because I guess they wanted a, they wanted young cops that they could ingrain this new type of policing to work with the community. Really, common sense policing is what they called it, should have called it. Yeah. Work with the community, figure out what problems we're facing at particular community, and brainstorm to solve the problems that we're facing that community. At the time in Sunset Park was during the mid '80s. Like every neighborhood probably in the country, the biggest problems were gangs, drugs, and what they really told me in in Sunset Park area was there's nothing for these kids to do is why they're getting caught up in the drugs and the gangs. And you know what? I said boxing is the perfect carrot on a stick to get to these kids, to get them off the streets and, and put them in a positive atmosphere. And then once we got them in the gym... You got yeah. In other words, we we have their attention, and you can also in a wear them positive out. atmosphere. Yeah, you can also wear them out physically because they're exhausted after that. This is the Law Enforcement Today Show. We are talking Pat Russo. We're talking about the unexpected side effects of defunding police. Don't go anywhere. We will be right back. There's a huge amount of interest in true crime story podcasts. So we started a new one called True Crime Fighters Podcast. Very few of the true crime podcasts tell the stories of the heroes that fight horrific crime. Whether it be law enforcement officers or everyday citizens, we tell their stories on the True Crime Fighters Podcast. Each episode, no longer than 15 minutes. Do a Google search for True Crime Fighters Podcast. Subscribe today for free or be sure to check us out on Facebook do a search for a True Crime Fighters Podcast. Back to our conversation with Pat Russo. Pat is a retired New York Police Department sergeant. He is also, I'd say, the owner-operator of Chef's Choice, cash and carry grocery store wholesaler for foods in, in Brooklyn, catering to Caribbean Americans, and also heavily involved in youth boxing organizations. Pat, thanks for being on the show. You were talking before the break about how you got involved in boxing through the NYPD. I think we left off as you started talking about CPOP and how you got involved in youth boxing. Tell us more about that. Well, as a community police officer, we we needed to work with the community and try to help them solve the problems that we're facing our particular community. And Sunset Park, like every other community in the country, is the biggest problems facing the community was drugs and gangs and not enough really effective youth centers that attracted those at-risk kids that the Bloods and the Crips, and well, in my particular community was a, was a, was a Hispanic or Latino community. And they were involved with the Latin Kings and the, the Nietes and the Papachulos. So, so what we did was we went to the community and we asked them, what do you think about a boxing program? And they goes, that would be the perfect thing. And, and because I just fell in love with boxing, and I said it would be the perfect carrot on a stick to get to these kids, to attract the at-risk kids, 
not the kids that that had everything in life. The kids I went to Catholic schools or parochial schools, but the, but the kids that were going to just go on the wrong path. So it was police work. It was it was crime prevention, and we got together, and there was a building that was used as a, a locker room for the Sunset Park pool. For, so for two months of the year, the place was packed with kids changing to go in the swimming pool. And for 10 months a year, a big 5,000 square foot space was just sitting empty. And we went to the local elected officials and we told them that we wanted to put a, we, the cops, wanted to put a boxing program in there for the kids keep them off the streets and keep them out of the gangs. And they go, we got your back. Called the Parks Department, found an old dilapidated ring that was in an abandoned building. We, I got, you know what I was able to do? Which was, was probably the most difficult thing. Get cops, get 10 cops from the precinct to come with me, climb three flights of stairs, and take apart, disassemble a 20-foot steel boxing ring. And then put it on a barrier truck, a police barrier truck, then take it to Sunset Park and reassemble it in Sunset Park. <laughs> so I had to get cops to do manual labor. It was difficult. Yo, you, but, you, <laughs> you are not exaggerating but a, but a, there. But a, but a promise of a, a late night, a couple of six-packs and a, and a couple of pizza That's pies. how we moved. I think everybody that ever moved it was about pizza and beers was was our reward. But you if know you what? They, to, knew, they knew the value of it. They right. really did. And they and they, you know what? They all jumped on board. And, and to, today, it's that, that was 30-something years ago. And today, probably thousands of kids came through that program i think i remember one of the proteges or one of the the famous people that came up through boxing from that type of environment was mike tyson correct mike tyson was from brownsville brooklyn and he was getting in trouble his whole short life from 13 years old and he was in a juvenile facility and and a cop grabbed him and took him up to the Catskills Boxing Club, introduced him to Customato, and Cust took him out of the program. They made it an alternative sentencing type program and put him in the gym, and he ended up becoming a world champion. Back in parts of Baltimore, in parts of like Philly has them, I know New York has a lot of them. A lot of departments across the United States don't have them, but like the Police Athletic League, and a lot of that is where these boxing organizations come from, and they work primarily with at-risk youth, with kids who are, like you said, on the boundaries of getting in severe trouble because they've been in trouble to some degree. And one of my big concerns is I hear all the time, defund the police, defund the police. Here's what happens when we defund the police. Everything gets scaled back and gets put to what we call patrol. Some departments call something different. Those are the folks that answer calls for service. And one of the first things that goes by the wayside are organizations like Police Athletic League, the boxing clubs. All those programs that work with at-risk youth get cut first. Well, in, in New York, they, is, is he's actually putting more money into youth programs. He's trying to deflect more money from the police department into youth programs. So I really can't, can't agree with that in New York City. But the funding patrol just makes no sense. 
because because if you if you you see what's taking place currently in New York City, crime is up probably eighty percent right now between shootings and homicide. I think the police department probably needs refunding, not defunding, because we need more cops on patrol. And and you know you know what we really need is is politicians to stay out of police work because we had, we had a, we had a, I don't know if you want to go off to- topic and we had a horrendous incident that happened in Minnesota and I don't know why it affected the New York City Police Department probably one of one of the most successful organizations over the last 25 years at decreasing crime we went and dismantled the New York City the Police Department which really made no sense whatsoever. No, it doesn't. And I'm glad you brought that up because I, I told people when that first came out with the George Floyd murder, that's what I'm going to call it, came out yeah, on it, video. It I, I couldn't even watch it that because I knew it was going to happen. And, and I have not met one cop or talked to one cop, active, retired, who said anything but that was totally unacceptable. I've not, I've not heard one person even no. put up a, a, a glimmer of an argument, and yet he was immediately fired and arrested. Right, and, but what's New York got to do with it? What's no, Baltimore? It, it, what's DC got to do with it? it I've never we, understood we, that. No, it, it really made no sense. In my opinion, it was it was an opportunity that these politicians took to just dismantled what they thought was wrong with the police department, like the anti-crime units and the surveillance units. But do you understand that's necessary? And like I say, I work in a Caribbean community. They want the cops on the street. They want us to go after that minute percentage that destroys the community for everybody that's got to live in the community. They come to us. I, I remember being a C-pop cop, I remember them coming to me, but they wouldn't come in an open meeting. But no. they'd wait for the meeting to be over, and they'd wait for everybody to be gone, and they'd come up to me and they'd go, Officer Russo, this is the guy that's destroying our block. This is the guy that's recruiting the kids to deal the drugs and destroying the quality of life We're going to take my a block. short break. Right. This is the Law Enforcement Show. The place to be online is our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. You'll get access to unique news articles, editorials, and so much more. That's Law Enforcement Today Radio Show on Facebook. We'll turn our conversation with Pat Russo in just a few moments. Finally, our heroes have access to a world-class program for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and more. The Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center provides a comprehensive range of treatments for substance abuse, addiction, co-occurring mental health disorders, and PTSD. Plus, they offer complete treatment for mental health issues for those without substance abuse problems. In addition to multiple rehabilitation and holistic treatments for all those suffering from substance abuse problems, the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformation Treatment Center is a nationally acclaimed veterans and first responders treatment program where law enforcement, firefighters, veterans, and all first responders receive the separate and highly specialized treatment they need. Got questions? They have the answers at the Help for Our Heroes program at Transformations Treatment Center. Call 888-991-9725. 888-991-9725. That's 
888-985-9725. Online at helpforourheroes.com. If you'd like to get more information about the Help For Our Heroes program, whether it be for substance abuse, PTSD, PTSD-related issues, just go to the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show Facebook page. On Facebook, that's a Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like. Send us a message. When you click send message, once you get through all the welcome information, just type in help for heroes. That's help for heroes in the messenger on the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show Facebook page. Back to our conversation with Pat Russo, retired NYPD sergeant, and he's also heavily involved in youth boxing in New York. And a point of clarification that Pat and I were talking about in the last segment, the national trend of defunding police, certain cities, the first thing to get cut are the extra programs. In New York, in defense of the mayor, which is probably the only time I can say this, he's actually adding more money to programs like this. Most don't, all right? Just, I, I, I got to admit when I'm wrong. You and I both shared a common experience. I worked in uh, an area of Baltimore that was had a lot of Jamaican immigrants. And the big problem there was Jamaican marijuana and cocaine gangs. And the ones throughout DC and Baltimore were very violent, very vicious. They didn't make up a half of a percent of the community, but they mounted for most of the violent crime that occurred in that community. And people in that community wanted help. They wanted us to be there. They wanted those people removed from the streets. They didn't come from Jamaica and go through all that violence there to move to Baltimore to have to deal with the same thing. Just like in your area of Flatbush, I'm sure they didn't want to keep on going to do the same thing. Absolutely. When, when I was a community uh, policing cop, they really didn't come to me asking for help. They come begging for help. They wanted their communities cleaned up of the, these miscreants. And, and like you said, it's, it's, it's just a small percentage. And, and that's what Branton did. That's what Comstat did. It was a precision-type policing where we targeted the individuals, the recidivist individuals that just commit 90% of all the crime in the neighborhood. And, and, that, and that was the simple technique of how we drove down crime in, in New York City, was targeting these individuals using different type of common sense law enforcement, law enforcement techniques and going after the bad guys. I, I don't know if, you, if you've been watching Fear City on Netflix. No. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of what we did in New York. When they finally went after the five crime families, Italian crime families in New York, they brought down all the mob hits to, to next to nothing because they targeted the heads of the organized crimes families in New York. And when they finally wiped them out, they eliminated all the, uh, the mob hits and uh, the corruption that the, uh, the Italian mafia was in. And that's what, we, that's what Branton basically copied. Each, each organization, each criminal enterprise has a little organized crime network, and they're responsible for a majority of crime in the neighborhoods that are just destroying our neighborhoods. And the community knows it because they live amongst them. Right. So they came to us and they begged us, please, these are the people you've got to go after. These are the people that are not only just destroying the quality of life, these are the people that are recruiting 
our kids to get into that life. And that's why we need, like it was a, a perfect combination of targeting those criminals, those recidivist criminals, and but giving kids the positive alternative to the boxing program to keep them off the streets so they didn't take up a life of crime. And then, and and the boxing program, like I said, it was was police work because it was it was crime prevention. The kids were off the streets; they were on in the streets committing crime, and it was a uh, recruitment because you can't believe how many kids came through that program. These are at risk kids that we guided, made them take the tests, and then guided them through the investigative process because you know the investigative process to get into law enforcement is onerous. Very, very difficult. I'll tell you, because only because I just went through it again with my son, and I don't know if he didn't have me to help him, I don't know if he would ever got through the process. Now, imagine a kid that maybe don't have a computer at home or don't have the right, the right family structure at home that's helping him to get through the investigative process. We help him through the investigative process. And today, I'll give you an example of a kid that came through the program is a first-grade NYPD detective today, which is the highest rank of uh, they, they get top lieutenant's pay. And he just, he just became a wonderful police officer that was a gang kid from the Bronx, and today he's a first-grade NYPD detective. Some of the best police I ever worked with, I said people with a thin blue line, and I think a lot of people don't think of it this way. On one side of the line, uh, it's criminal element. On the other side are the police. A lot of the best police I worked with came from troubled youth, troubled backgrounds, where they were on the wrong side of the law. And I'm not talking about serious crime. I'm talking about misdemeanor, miscreant stuff you talked about. And they turned out with direction, with some discipline. A lot of them went to the military and came out and became some of the best I mean, best community law enforcement officers I've ever met. One hundred percent. That's why it's just a common sense, a common sense program. I, I, I wish I could put a gym in every precinct and and just have the cops interacting with the kids in a positive atmosphere. And you know what? Not only it works that it brings the kids closer to the cops that they see the cops as human beings, but the cops. Look at the kids, and, and, and I'm talking about when, when you when you get a cop that's that never been in a, an at-risk neighborhood, and all of a sudden he's working with a kid, and he sees, wow, this this is a kid, this is a kid, this could be my son. Yeah, and he's not that far different from me growing up at that age. Right, right, and 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 just to watch it over the 30 years, and when you watch, because each kid, they got a barrier, they got that that ghetto barrier in front of them that they don't let down. It, it's like a shield only because of survival. They need to have that shield just to survive, to survive in the streets. And I love it when the kids interacting with the cop in the gym and that shield comes down and you see it that he becomes just just a, just a, a silly 13, 14 year old kid and uh, just a, a, a wonderful atmosphere to be around, which is, which is why 30 years later that I'm still doing it and still stressing out, <laughs> trying to raise funds for it and, uh, and keep it going. When and, we come back, we're going to talk about that because that, that, that could be a, 
a conversation or entire show in and of itself. Some of my best memories, some of my absolute best memories of policing, when I was a patrol officer and I was given a post, I got to meet a lot of people on that post. And let's just say this, if we had to use statistics, 95% have never been in trouble today in their life. Other 5%, they've been in trouble, but most of them were not criminals and certainly not career criminals. And even the career criminals, most of them weren't violent. There was a very small percentage. Uh, and the ones where the most violence seemed to come from, in my experience, were the drug gangs and or other types of gangs. When you mentioned earlier in the interview, the Latin Kings and other gangs that you worked with, the kids from those gangs and those neighborhoods, I don't want people to get confused and think this is like West Side Story. It's not like that at all. No, 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 no not at all. It's, 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 every community has your, I guess, your ethnic gangs. I grew up in Benton Arts, Brooklyn. Our ethnic gang was the Gambinos and the Columbus. And, uh, it's, but like you said, every, every, Every nationality, every profession has your percentage of bad, just like cops, yeah. just like cops, like the cop in Minnesota. It's it's it's, it's indefensible. We're going to take a short break. When we return, we're going to talk more with Pat Russo, retired NYPD sergeant, about boxing, about his boxing organization to help at-risk kids, a little bit about policing, and who knows where the conversation will go. If you'd like to get more information about the Help for Our Heroes program, whether it be for substance abuse, PTSD, PTSD-related issues, just go to the Law Enforcement Today Radio Show Facebook page. On Facebook, that's a Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like. Send us a message. When you click send message, once you get through all the welcome information, just type in help for heroes. That's help for heroes in the messenger on the Law Enforcement Today radio show Facebook page. This is Law Enforcement Today show. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. All too often, we find ourselves getting asked, where can I find other great podcasts? Do you have any suggestions? Because of this, we decided to create our own network of podcasts here on Law Enforcement Today. You can access top podcasts about law enforcement on our website and free app. Head to letradioshow.com, click the Be Heard tab, and there you will find our network link where we will continue to add podcasts from first responders and more. Remember, that's letradioshow.com to find out more information about Law Enforcement Today, our podcast network, and to download our free app, letradioshow.com. This is the Law Enforcement Day Show. I'm John J. Wiley, retired Baltimore Police Sergeant, interviewing our guest, Pat Russo, retired NYPD Sergeant. i got to tell you, Pat, one of the best jobs, I didn't realize it. Also, one of the hardest was being a patrol sergeant. I loved it. I loved working with the men and women that patrolled the area that I was assigned to. Uh, I love the community I worked with. Doesn't mean every experience was pleasant, but by far the vast majority were. I did, and when I when I was promoted to sergeant, the rank of sergeant, I was in narcotics at the time. I worked in the seventh as a CPOP cop, and yeah, I, I'd, li- I'd like to get into that a little bit. The frustration that I had originally as a CPOP cop because they wanted us to take care of the, the most prevalent problem to work with the community and take care of that, address that within the Sunset Park area. And the biggest problem, like I said, was drugs. 
Now, at the time, patrol cops were not allowed to do anything related to narcotics enforcement. At the time, we had a, and it was a corruption thing. They thought it was a corruption hazard. It was after the NAP commission, and a bunch of cops got arrested for being involved with uh, narcotics. So what they did was they threw the baby out with the bath water like they usually do in the department. So they, patrol cops, uniformed patrol cops, had nothing to do with drugs. Now we're going to the community, meeting with the community, and they're telling us, the biggest problem is drugs, and they're telling us who's selling the drugs. But now that frustration for that patrol cop, the next meeting he's got to go to, <laughs> and, and and they're telling him, you, you're not doing anything about the drug problem. And then you say, but I gave it to narcotics, and we're waiting for the narcotics teams to respond. It was just a very frustrating position. We didn't so have thought- that. We, we, we didn't have that, but it was equally as frustrating because... Well, to be quite honest with you, in uniform or, and we're on work narcotics as well, you'd spend a lot of time, energy, at risk, you'd put yourselves in harm's way, you'd wind up arresting, and with these people came guns and violence, and the courts would not take it seriously. They'd be released very quickly, and it was a, it was a revolving door, and it never ended, and I, sometimes, Pat, I feel like, what was it all for? Yeah, well, we, we helped start a program out of this pile of precinct where we... Well, I, I ended up putting it into narcotics because I said, if I go to narcotics, I'll be able to address the problems that are facing this community and and target those individuals that were creating havoc in the community. And we did it. It was working well. But then I got promoted to sergeant. <laughs> and now I had to get back to the 7-2 precinct. So I had to pull all kinds of strings because my boxing program was there. Our boxing program was there. And I really, I just, I just love the community. You, 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 you can understand it being a cop, and especially if you were a B cop at one time. I just loved that community. And, I, and you know what? They appreciated and they knew me and they trusted me. So I wanted to get back, which in, in, in NYPD, it's a no-no to go back to uh, a precinct as a supervisor where you were a police officer. But I was able to elected officials, they brought me back as a sergeant. And what I learned in narcotics, I learned about confidential informants and search warrants and investigations. We did that, we started doing that in the 7-2 precinct on patrol. And we started like really shutting down, like, like we said before in a previous conversation, targeting that individual that that lady whispered in my ear to get that never touched the narcotics, just recruited the kids to do the narcotics. We started targeting them and taking them out through confidential informant search warrants and different techniques and then working with the DA's office and shutting them down. And that we takes were a lot of effort. Product. It takes a long time and a lot of commitment and and quite frankly a lot of cops lost their lives or were yeah. ser- seriously physically injured for the rest of their lives doing that well we we were actually to a, to a lot of battles between the police because at the time we were we thought we were doing a good job and my commanding officer decided to put it on paper and say, we're doing great work, we just hit a search warrant, got a bunch of guns and drugs off the street, hit the target that was destroying the block, and we went up and we met personally with the borough commander, the chief of the borough, 
and he, and he he was questioning my CO, and he says, "What are you doing? That's narcotics work. You you guys are patrol. You shouldn't be doing that." Yeah. And I would interject and answer the questions that the chief was was asking, and he didn't appreciate that. The chief and the chief threw me out of his office, called me a zealot threw me out of his office, and he ended up, believe it or not, transferring my CO, only because we were doing textbook police work, because that was the atmosphere in the job back then. They really were, it was taboo for NYPD cops to have anything to do with narcotics. And then fast forward, Rudy Giuliani gets elected mayor, and Commissioner Bratton becomes the police commissioner, and he turns the whole job upside down. He fires the whole top echelon of the job, hires all good, young, aggressive, and community-orientated chiefs, and he says, this is what I want. This is the police work I want. And my lieutenant at the time, while I was a sergeant in 72, goes up and starts working for Branton. He tells him what we were doing in the 72, and he says, put it on paper. Let's make it a pilot project. And let's let's copy it. Let's see how it does as a pilot project. Well, once once they gave us the okay, and you let cops be cops, and you let them work with the community and target the individuals in the community, we just hit search warrant after search warrant, and just locked up every drug dealer. And what we did, and if you know, if you're familiar with a drug block, it's got a reputation of being yep. a drug block. Yep. So once we had a, once we took down that small organization on that block, we knew somebody would try to fill that gap. And you know, we did. We put a, a police barricade at the bottom of the block, a police barricade at the top of the block, and we said, "This is your block now." And uh, we made it a PAL Play Street. And that's really what it's all about. It's about serving community. And this is this is something we need to get back to, not just in New York, but all across the United States. No, no, it, and, it, and it was something that was, it, was, it, it went citywide. I, uh, we were directed by the police commission to go to every single precinct within New York City and train them how to do this, how to take one block back at a time and give it back to the community. Well, I'm going to have to do is have to have you back in the future to talk more about that because that could be a show in itself. Before we run out of time, Pat, I want to talk about your boxing program because things, the great work you're doing with the kids, that doesn't come free. There's always a cost. And I'm sure like every charity, every nonprofit, every 501c3 out there, they say fundraising is the other F word. It just never ends, and cops in particular don't like asking for money. No, it's it's the worst part of being a director of the program, because I'd rather spend my time running the program than out raising funds. And it, the program is 100% free. These kids walk in that door, they don't spend a nickel on anything. And what what in this country today is totally free life. I can't think of and, anything. No, and, and, and it's it's a bona fide, we, we are a 501c3 not-for-profit. It's a program that was started by cops, is run by cops, and is uh, paid for by cops. We don't get any uh, government funding. Everything we do comes from, remember I told you, the, all the funds raised at that event in Madison Square Garden went to the right. Widows and Orphans Fund? 
Well, the Widows of Orphans Fund is, is pretty established, and, and they uh, only because obviously it needs to be. Well, we're before but, we run out of time. Where can people get more information and make a donation? To make it go to go to nypdboxing.com. NYPDboxing.com. Is there a place on the website where people can There's donate? a website right there. It'll take you right to donate. And all the funds go directly back to the kids. Pat, I want to thank you so much for all you're doing. Thank you for your service. Thanks for what you're doing now. And thanks for being a guest on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Very much appreciated. Thanks for having me. Appreciate talking to you. One of the questions I get all the time is, how can I show my support for law enforcement? Well, we're all busy. You probably can't go to a protest march. You probably can't go picket somewhere. But there's something very simple you can do with Facebook. When you see a post that you agree with, that you like, share it to your page. It's just that simple. Think of it this way. Facebook has about 2 billion registered users worldwide. So you can make a difference. And one of the best places to find great posts about law enforcement our Facebook page. Do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Click like and follow. And when you see posts that you like, you agree with, especially episodes of the radio show and podcast, be sure to share it on your social media. Again, do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Be sure to click like and follow. And then show your support by sharing. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today show. Got another great guest in your way next week. Don't miss it. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.